to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition, with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. We're here for the month of September. Here we are again. I know. You know, we are doing show 601. Last week, Jeff did show 600. I had a super busy week. I, I, I'm kind of bummed I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet because I know he was with Al. And that's how I first started watching or listening to the show is I listened to him and Al. Him and Al back together. Him and Al back together. But I had a busy week and I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Have you? No. I hope nothing big happened. Me too. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about what's going okay. on in our lives. So best Sunday of the year in my ward last Sunday, primary program. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we have not had so. our primary program yet. But I see on the internet they're going around. It is the season for a primary program. Okay, but isn't it a little early? It's September. I usually think of the primary program as like late October, early November. No, they can run anywhere from September through November. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Okay, well, good to know. <laughs> as a former primary president, we used to have ours in September. Yeah, well, I try and stay out of primary. I'm not allowed <laughs> to play with young children. Okay, so this year was extra special for me because okay. I have a sunbeam. First primary program. So that is a huge momentum, yes. momentous occasion. And, and also, I am a Sunbeam teacher. Oh, that's right. And let's <laughs> so, face it, the highlight of the primary program really is the Sunbeams. It's the Sunbeams. You stick them up front and let them be themselves, and they steal the show. And that is exactly what happened. It's like a box of chocolates. You don't yes. know what you're going to get. Yes. I was very grateful because my co-teacher, she doesn't have kids in primary and they only wanted one teacher to sit on the stand okay. and she volunteered as tribute. She said, I will do this because you probably want to watch your kid. And oh, I was yes. like, yes, I do. Now, did your son <laughs> disappoint or did he like bring it with full gusto? Oh, he was amazing. <laughs> He was leaning over the edge. He was like making faces. He was playing peekaboo with our friends at one point in time. And like they would make a face at him and he would mimic the face back yeah. to them. And like, so basically he's flirting with the whole audience. Oh, yeah. And he was smiling. Anybody that would smile at him, he would just, he just has this smile. He's very charismatic. He is charismatic. And he would just smile back at them. Like, oh gosh. So too bad you can't video in the chapel anymore because this would be good blackmail for when I'm he's a teenager. I was I've never been so close to whipping out my cell phone before and like <laughs> taking a video. I was gonna text my friend because I know she'd do it. She's gutsy. I was about to text her and be like, record well, it. I know record exactly it. which friend you're talking about too. <laughs> so Okay, but then the other hilarious thing, we have four sunbeams in our class. Okay. So we have two girls and two boys. So my son was hamming it up. The other boy in the class is very, very shy, very quiet, like clings to his parents even when oh, they gosh. drop him off at class. And he has this blanket that he takes everywhere with him. Okay. So you're not even sure he's going to get up on the stand. No, I'm not even sure he's going to get up there because he barely comes to class every week. And um, yeah. he does not say a word. Okay. And so his dad takes him up there and he's got his blanket and he puts his blanket over his head <laughs> and he sat the entire 45-minute primary program with the blanket over his head. I saw him peek out maybe twice, like oh just a quick peek. That is hilarious. I was dying laughing. I no, was like, describe this blanket. I want the oh, visual on this. This is this is what makes it even better. His, his blanket that he loves, that okay. he's had since he was a baby, it is a big fleece multicultural Santa blanket. It has Santa <laughs> of all races Across the front of well, At least we're fully representing in your ward. I love it so much. I was like, dude, 
that is what I want to do when I'm sitting on the sand too. I can appreciate it. And that is the beauty of the sunbeams is they can fully, without guile, express everything we feel. I know. It's so true. So it was great. Okay. So speaking of the primary program, I was scrolling Instagram last night and this influencer that I follow, well, I don't... I, I don't know if she would classify herself as an influencer mm-hmm. or just a mom in Utah. Anyway, she had she had a, a video on Instagram. You know how they're like right. they they only stay for like oh, twenty four hours. In the stories, yeah. In the story, she had a story, okay. and in this story, she is showing the primary program from her ward in Utah. Now, this is Utah County. Mind okay. You. Now so, she's primary president. I'm I don't know if she's primary president or who she is, but she designed mm-hmm. the program. Okay. The program. For the primary program was eight pages. Ooh. It had the names of every kid. It had things they were saying. It had words to songs. I mean, basically, I think it had probably was the whole script for she the primary put, program. She put all eight pages up on Instagram? Well, well, she's flipping through it oh, in her story on Instagram. She's flipping through it, talking about the primary program, and and it's beautifully designed, the graphics and everything. Oh, but I'm like, wow, uh, that's a bit much. Eight pages for a primary program. That's intense. But it is. She must have a big primary to fill up eight pages. <laughs> I'm like, well, it is a it is Utah County. So there you go. I was like. Wow, that's a new one I've never seen. I've seen it. I've seen inserts for the primary program, but I've never seen an eight-page primary program. Wow. Yeah. So there you go, folks. See if you can top that in the next three months with your primary programs. Anything better than an eight-page primary program? <laughs> Professionally done. <laughs> okay. I will say though, I still hold bitterness as a former primary president okay. because our when I was primary president, our kids did the bells. The hand, oh, you know, the little yes. handbells. I love the handbells. Our music teacher was excellent. She was like uh-huh. a music education major, yeah. and so she had these kids trained so good on those bells, mm-hmm. and we wanted them in the program. And the bishop denied. Mm. You were shut down. On I was the bells. shut down on the bells, and I tried to push back. And, and they let you do bells at Christmas. Well, not I get not, not in, you're not, not that in not in Sacramento. In my well, ward, we've done bells. I at tried Christmas. to push back. I was like. The Tabernacle Choir does bells. Not only that, <laughs> on the organ, there's a stop for bells on the oh, organ. There is. I didn't there know is. that. And I know that because the first counselor in our bishopric loves to play at Christmas time. I heard the bells on Christmas oh. Day. And he does it with the stop in the organ with I've the bells. I've never heard anyone use that. Oh, it is amazing. Oh. It, he, does a, he does a bang up fantastic so, job. So I have been bitter for years. And As then, well you should be. And then this year, this ward did bells, <gasps> which... I mean, they should have anyways, because mm-hmm. it's officially... It's been revised. The handbook is like much more open. Although I will say, even though they hadn't revised that instrument section of the handbook mm-hmm. back when I was primary president, there was still nothing in there banning bells. It was subjective. It was like... Yeah. It, no drums, right. no guitars. There was nothing about bells. Bells would have... Bells were a great They area. would have been appropriate. Okay. Well, <laughs> but, I'm not going to argue with you. Well, that is such a bummer. Anyway, but they did bells now. I think bells will be universally accepted, I would hope. I would hope so. Well, days. we've done bells a couple mm-hmm. times at Christmas where they've had bell ringers that go around to like different sacraments and perform and they oh, came to our sacrament seriously? and did a music number. Oh, yeah, they're really wow. good. They had the wow. gloves and everything. They wow. were like, they were, they were top-notch okay, bell ringers. I'm still waiting to hear some brass instruments though. 
That's true. Even though brass is allowed. It's allowed, but has anybody seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. Not yet. That's okay. a good question. We need, we need, we need to hear. Okay. We need a survey. <laughs> well, I'm not dressed in black today, although apparently I should be because I'm kind of in mourning. It was the funeral today for oh, Queen Elizabeth the queen. II. The Queen. We love the Brits. I love the Brits. <laughs> and I claim to be a bit British because I did one of those 23andMe DNA tests. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember what it came back. It came back like 46, 47% British. That was my primary DNA mm-hmm. in the DNA kit. So I claim to be British, love the queen, watched her funeral today while I was at work, or at least I had it on in the background. And um, it was very touching, very poignant. Mm-hmm. Probably one of my favorite parts of the funeral is at the end of the service that they had at um, St. James Chapel at Windsor. And I'm trying to remember what the name of that service was. It was like the commit. I know I have commitment service. I can't remember committal? what Committal? Committal. It was the committal, committal service. Okay. So at the very end, they are singing God Save the King. And they focus on Charles's face. And you can see two things. You can see, yes. first of all, the grief in his face for losing his mother. And you can also sense the weight that is upon him where he's like, I waited 73 years for this and now it's here. So his time has come. It was so weird to hear them say king instead of queen. I know. Like that kind of hit me today as I, I was I was watching bits and pieces. Yeah. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I was like, oh, this is weird. I'm just used to a queen, not a I king. I know. Well, the other thing too is okay, I love that song. And I love it whether you are singing the American version of it, right. which is my country tis of thee which my third grade teacher made us sing every single day in third grade after we said the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, wow. We sang My Country Tis a Bay. But I also love it as the British National Anthem. I do too. But it got me thinking. Our hymn book is now even more outdated because the last hymn in our hymnal, at least the English-American version of the hymnal, which I presume goes to the Brits, is the British National Anthem, God Save the Queen. That's in our hymn book? It's in our hymn book. How did I not know that? Oh, here, look, I'll show you. I know every time we sing, every time we sing My Country Tis of Thee, I'm like, oh, but what if I want to sing the English version? <laughs> anyway, so our hymn book, which we know is being rewritten. Okay. We so know they are taking reference. Right. They're taking the. They're the, going to take out any national anthems. Exactly. They're going to take out any national so anthems. We only have America and England, right? Are there any other sneaky national There's anthems no other in there that I don't know about? Anthems. I did not know this. Let's pull up the hymn is book. Is it like the last song in the book? It is the last song in the book. Maybe because I'm pulling it up on tools. Oh. What if it's been updated on check tools? This check, this check this out. Live updates, people. This is riveting, riveting information here. Yes. <gasps> Look, it's been updated. They changed God it. save the king. So they updated it in the Ooh, last 10 days since the church her is death. on it. They are, oh, they are on, on it. it. <laughs> Although I think when I show up on Sunday, probably the green hymn books in my church are still going to be God Save the Queen. Probably. I will, be, I will be quite surprised if they've gone in and crossed out Queen and written King. But yes, it is hymn number 341. Huh, I had no idea. I never even had. Yes. I guess I've never gone that far. So. There you go. So yeah, the church is on it. Updating okay. updating the digital version of the hymn book to Good be consistent to with we have a king, no longer a queen. Good to know. All right. Well, should we do some news stories? Yes. 
we've got some quite a smorgasbord of random stories. We do. So I want to revisit a story that was big news about three weeks ago, if I recall correctly. Three to four weeks ago, it was really big news. And there's been some developments on that front since it's been talked about on TWIM. And then there was a story that ties into it this weekend. So you may recall several weeks ago, I believe it was Duke that was playing BYU in volleyball. And there was a Duke player who alleged that she heard a fan repeatedly use the N-word while she was serving. And she let this go on, and 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 I think at some point somebody she told someone she told someone a security guard or police yeah. officer or someone came and sat by the yeah. two players. Yeah, they, they said it, it, they said exactly, exactly, and they said in the article that they had identified who it was after the fact, and they were banned from. They games. did. They they identified who they believed the individual was, and she identified that individual. I guess that was an individual who happened to come up to her like after the game maybe didn't say anything negative to her but she she said that's the guy right there he was not a BYU student he was a UVU student and so BYU took swift action based on this allegation they banned the individual from coming to games they the athletic director went to her uh, hotel and met with her and said my deepest apologies this should never happen blah 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 anyway National media outlets picked this up and you heard all over the media, BYU is racist, BYU is racist. There were other teams that were scheduled to play both volleyball and BYU and basketball who said, we're not coming to your racist university to be called nasty names. So the Duke player and team goes back to Duke. And so BYU conducts an investigation as well they should. Mm -hmm. So during that investigation, they go back and they have lots of camera footage from this game. They have the security footage. They have footage that BYU Sports was doing. They have camera footage from all sorts of angles. And they also interviewed individuals who were in this section where this allegedly occurred. At the conclusion of their uh, their investigation, after interviewing the player who made the allegation, all of her teammates, all of her coaches, and anybody else that was remotely associated with it, they could not find any evidence to support this allegation. There was nothing on video that they could that they heard or that they could see anybody mouthing and saying something like that. None of her teammates heard it. None of her coaches heard it. She was literally the only individual that heard it. Now, they did not come out and say she was a liar. They just said, you know, we can't substantiate this right. claim, which I think is a very, very fair response. And, and it's an interesting perspective because I was reading this opinion piece and uh, they were talking about that the BYU Duke volleyball story became a national, I think it's Roshatter test. It's one of those ink blot tests where you look at the ink blot and you, you see, see different things. You see different things based and on your perspective. Based on your perspective. And the point of this opinion piece was again, nobody is saying that the Duke University or the Duke st- uh, student athlete made this up. Mm-hmm. They're saying, you know, 
she could have very well in her mind thought that that's what she heard. Right. Because a lot of times, I mean, in every situation, we come to things with certain prejudice and biases, and those affect how we filter things. And I see that all the time in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can get two people who witness the same thing, and I just go, were you all, were you both in the same room? You're telling me completely different stories. And I think it's really true that a lot of times you find what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So if you have a preconceived notion, I think this is X, Y, Z, you're probably going to find X, Y, Z. Right. Or if that has happened to her before, she's probably super hyper aware. Hyper sensitive, hyper aware. Anyway, and... And so the, the, this opinion piece just really talks mm-hmm. about, you know, race is such a divisive issue in our country. And, you know, both both sides are using this to prove points back and forth. It, it, much in the way of, um, you know, he, she, the, the writer of this opinion piece also talks about Jesse Smollett and the actor who was found to have lied about being right. a victim of, of a hate crime. And, and that's kind of a, I, I'm not sure that's, they're not, Very, they're, they're, not, not in the, they're not in the same they're not way. the same and the, and the author isn't saying that she yes. lied yes um, nobody thinks she nobody lied. thinks she lied and then the author talks about she says this quote first national media outlets see a story glance at the details and report it as fact like uh brianna keller did on cnn checking the facts couching it with at least some amount of journalistic caution is out the window and for a busy audience that catches the initial reporting of their story it's a glance and it ob- it's obvious that BYU is full of racists because there really has been minimal retraction from the national right. media outlets this just came out last week exactly I think, that BYU released its report exactly and it hasn't been covered much yet yeah. although I think it's starting to trickle down but a little when, bit but when it is covered it's not a headline. It's exactly. just like, oh, BYU found it's, it's not, you know, BYU in their investigation, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of tainting like BYU wouldn't be fair in their investigation. And from everything I've read, I think BYU was very fair in their investigation because if mm-hmm. somebody is out there using that kind of language on campus at an event sponsored by the school, BYU wants to right. shut that down. You yeah. know, they're not there to sweep that under the rug. And, and a really another interesting thing that this opinion writer wrote is she said, it's worth asking whether truth may be somewhere in the middle. You can have enormous respect for Rachel Richardson as a player and as a person and believe she is telling the truth about what she believes she heard, yet wonder if the truth is still out there unaccounted for. Right. And so it's just, it's, it's really interesting. And then it becomes even more interesting in the wake of what happened this last weekend. So this last weekend, BYU football, who was ranked number 12, went over to Oregon to play the Ducks. It did not go well on many levels. On many levels. (laughs) First of all, BYU lost. We watched. Big time. We watched that game. It was was rough. It was rough. (laughs) But the student section at the University of Oregon was ranting a rather bigoted chat they were saying F word Mormons repeatedly yes. over and over and over again. And I do not think this is the first time this has happened. Maybe at Oregon, but I mean, I it rem- happened at USC. I remember last year. another story. Yes, that's it, was, where it was. It was I'm USC. Like, We've already done this story. I remember. I just don't remember what school it yeah, was. Yeah, it was USC. Okay. And so, and this was 
clearly, I mean, there is no question that, that this happened. Right. There are multiple videos of it. Right. In fact, there was one firsthand account. There was a BYU fan and she and a girlfriend trap pick a, an away game every year to a new area they haven't been to. And they travel there. I believe she's from the East Coast. They travel there and go to the game. And so she happened to kind of be sitting in or near this student section. And she can't believe this chant that she's hearing. And so she gets out her cell phone and she is like videoing this chant that she's hearing. And they're like, yeah, go ahead and video it. Blah, 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 blah. Send it to my mother. Blah, blah. I mean, they're kind of giving her a bad time for videoing it, but she videos it. So there's absolutely no doubt in this case, right. you know, what was said. And so it's really been interesting to watch the media response. First of all, Governor Cox. You know, I'm a huge fangirl of Governor Cox. <laughs> fangirl, 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 Governor Cox. And he loves the Twitter. And he knows how to use Twitter appropriately. That's all I'm going to say on that matter. And <laughs> Unlike other politicians? Unlike other politicians. Spencer Cox understands the positive use of Twitter. So he gets on and, and wrote writes on Twitter, religious bigotry is alive and celebrated in Oregon. And some of the media outlets pick up on it. Not that many. The University of Oregon is falling all over themselves to say, we are so sorry. Right. This was inappropriate. And you know, I think that us as BYU, associates associated with BYU, I would think after what we just went through, a few weeks ago, I would hope that we are very forgiving and understanding exactly. of the predicament they're in. Like they have how many thousands yeah. of students there, you know, undeveloped brains, <laughs> clearly <laughs> making choices that 20 yeah. year old undeveloped brains make and, you know, they can't control them all. And of course they feel awful. And so I just, I feel like, well, at least we're yeah. Hopefully a yeah. little bit more understanding yeah. now than well, we might have been three weeks ago. And that reminds me because the 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 firsthand account that I read of this girl who with her friend went to the game, you know, who's a BYU alum, uh, when she was videoing, someone around her said, oh, they're freshmen. You know, uh -huh. don't, don't hold this against them. Because right. her point was, well, you know, at 18, you should probably understand that that's not maybe the most appropriate <laughs> thing to say, even if your brain is kind of undeveloped. Right. But, you know, the University of Oregon, you know, to their credit, jumped on this as fast as BYU did. Right. And they the, said the same thing. They're they doing said a the full, same investigation. Thing, full investigation. <laughs> but then what was really interesting is uh, Governor Kate Brown from Oregon, she was like, oh, I just got dissed by Governor right. Spencer Cox. I better get on my Twitter. So she gets on her Twitter and she says, in Oregon, we strive to be a welcoming, inclusive state to all, regardless of race, religion, gender, or background. Our state and nation have an ugly history of discrimination and bigotry. The chant at yesterday's Oregon BYU game was unacceptable. We must do better. So anyway, it's just, you know, the whole thing is just like you said, it is so interesting coming on the heels, literally, of a similar right. incident at BYU. It is very interesting. And one of the opinion pieces, I think, from the Deseret News was just talking about how prevalent this is becoming in society. Yes. You know, we see we see the F Biden flags yeah. living in Idaho. I see those all the time on people's pickup trucks. Oh yeah. The F Biden. Yes. Full word spelled out waving in the wind. And as a mother, it makes me so angry. Yeah. So angry. I don't care whose name is under it. 
but the fact that I'm driving around with my small children and the F word is, is driving right yes. by them in giant letters. Yes. I'm just like, how does anybody think this is okay? Exactly. And the article was just talking about like as a society, we're really, we've really been throwing that around a lot lately. Exactly. <laughs> In various and assorted ways. Exactly. <laughs> and- in fact, this opinion piece says <laughs> the country is in a foul mood and it's showing up in sports arenas. And I'm like, the writer's not wrong about that because he was also talking about other professional sporting events yeah. where fans will behave in that right. manner. And you know, my when we lived in Portland, the Timbers is the soccer team in Portland, that and they're hugely popular and their games are so fun to go to. And my husband had been to a couple games, and I think he took one. I think he took our oldest daughter to okay. one of the games when we lived there. But they were, and you know, this was like you know, eight to ten years yeah. ago. They had a reputation for just being super rowdy, the fans, Ooh. and they would shout f. They had, they had a certain chant, and now I can't remember what yeah. the exact chant was, but they would do it at every game, and oh, it gosh. In- involved an F word. And my husband would come home, and he'd be like, boy, they're a rowdy group. Those Timbers fans are a rowdy group. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it's been happening at, at Timbers stadiums for yeah. a while, but now it's happening everywhere, I guess. Well, <laughs> so. and it's just, I mean, it's, I, I, I know we've talked about this a lot on the podcast mm-hmm. before. I. I, I I hate to see the decline in civility. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think of gospel principles and I think, you know, how how what we're expected as, you know, members of church, of the church, you know, you can engage in meaningful discussion without having to downgrade to right. you know, name swear calling, words and name and- calling and all of that. And mm-hmm. so, anyway, I, I doubt that this will be the last of our coverage of this types of events. Yeah, so. super, super interesting, especially with the timing. Exactly. So. All right, so okay. let's move on to our next story. This is another just like fascinating topic of discussion that you and I could probably talk about at length. So on the TWIM Facebook page today, uh-huh. Jeff just posted a, um, it was from Reddit. It's a screenshot from a Reddit. A screenshot from Reddit of, a woman who was just kind of questioning like what's going on with garments yeah. in the church? Like people who've been to the temple yeah. have made those covenants. Like, well, and the title of the post is telling it says modesty and garments now largely ignored. Am I taking crazy pills? <laughs> so she's just kind of throwing it out there yeah. on Reddit. Like, what is the deal? Are you seeing this where you live too? Yeah. Or is it just me and my little enclave? Basically just, you know, yeah. She- she points out that she sees women that she knows have been married in the temple, have been to the temple. Yeah. Just, you know, not wearing their garments and clearly not wearing their garments like yeah. on the regular, not just when yeah. they're exercising, yeah. but when they're out on date night. Exactly. They're, they're, and, they will wear them for church and temple right. is what she's seeing. And then she also goes off a little bit about the young women and, and modesty. the way we're teaching modesty. Anyway. We have lots of thoughts oh, and feelings on all of these subjects. We have and this, so many thoughts. This and is feelings. something that has been on Tiffany's mind for a long time. Oh, it's I because I, she's always asking me and a- anyone who will listen, like, what's with the influencers and their garments? I know. So, see, this is this is kind of where I I first noticed it is, mm-hmm. you know, I follow a lot of the influencers that are LDS. Mm-hmm. And I, I started noticing probably within the last year or so, I'm like, they never wear their garments, you know? And I could tell they were still active because, mm-hmm. you know, if they've left the church, then yeah, I'm going to totally understand why they're not wearing their garments. 
but they, they just, they, they were never wearing their garments. And I was just like, I, I, I just, I wanted to understand right. why. Like, I don't feel like you were being judgy. No. I think she, she's really, when she's talked to me about it, but yeah. like, is this a generational thing? Yeah. Is like, this, I, you know, I, I just mm-hmm. wanted to understand why. And, and I haven't been able to adequately find an answer to that, that, that answers my question as mm-hmm. to, as to why. And so finally someone on Reddit asked the, <laughs> question, else asked the question that I've been kind of like, Oh, I don't know if I want to go there because I just, again, I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to come off as being self-righteous right. or judgmental or anything like that. It's just, you know, when I, and again, this is, this is me, this is, this is Tiffany 101 or, you know, this is just purely Tiffany's opinion on what I think. So, you know, I went to the temple later. I was almost 30 before I Mm -hmm. went through. So I had many years of, of being an adult and not wearing garments. And I'm not going to say it was my favorite thing to do when I (laughs) went through the temple that I'm like, woohoo, I get to wear garments now. Um, You know, there was definitely an adjustment period for me. Mm -hmm. And, And I understand a whole lot of the issues associated with garments and the fit and being hot and, 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 and all of that. And for me, I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to live this covenant the way that I feel good about and the way that I can, you know, appear in front of the Lord and say, yes, I, I live this covenant. It means, you know, all those times that I really would not really want to wear my garments, I'm going to be wearing my garments. And, and, and so, you know, that's how I interpret the covenant. And I understand that people can have, you know, all, you know, people can have their own interpretation of right. the covenant. People can go pray about it and get their own revelation. But I, I, I just, I, I, I just, am, I'm just searching for some answers, people. So I, not some answers, some understanding is what I'm searching for. I right. just want understanding. So this is just super interesting to me. And the comments were fascinating. So oh, Jeff, the comments on the Facebook page. Jeff Holy put cow. this on the twi- up on the Twin Facebook page today. And there were a lot of comments like, some articles get, you know, two or three comments mm-hmm. and you know, it's a spicy one when it gets like 50, 50 plus comments 50 plus. Or in <laughs> exactly. the hundreds. Anyway, so just reading through the comments was just so interesting and I can just see so many, I, I can see all angles of this. You know, some people are saying, why do you care? Why are you judging? And I totally understand yeah. that angle. And also I totally get that like, this is a very visible it is. thing. It, it is. It is so easy for us to see this one. Exactly. Whereas if somebody is, you know. Popping a few beers on the weekend, we might not know. Someone's drinking coffee at their house, you don't know. If someone's paying tithing in their own unique, special way, you don't know. Like this is just such a visible thing. So it comes off as judging because. Yeah. You see it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and sometimes I'm, usually I'm not going to see you if you're drunk. Right. And you're so, probably going to do that at home and not in public. And good or bad, I yeah. mean, people do judge. I exactly. Mean, I, I hope I would not be like, I hope it's, this is coming off as loving and not yeah. like, why are you not wearing your garments? Yeah. Because I, I don't think so. But there are going to be people that yeah. are very judgmental of that. And well, and I think you get one know. generation removed from us. Mm-hmm. Like I, I see a lot of those. And again, I'm gonna, I'm totally stereotyping here. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of those older women in the temple 
who are just super persnickety about stuff. And I'm like, right. oh, I bet this is dri driving them to want to oh, drink. Oh, yeah. The difference between, even the difference between that generation and us. I mean, yeah. like I go to the gym every single day. Yeah. And I wear my workout clothes and not yeah. my garments. Yeah. And I will not change into my garments until I shower. Uh -huh. And sometimes that's not until four o'clock in the mm -hmm. afternoon. And sometimes I'm running around town yeah. and running errands or I'm taking yeah. my kids to the park because I just have other things to yeah. do. And I know some people would not be comfortable yeah. with that. And that's okay. Yeah. I'm totally okay if someone is not comfortable with that and they would rather take, you know, their clothes to the exactly. gym and shower at the gym and be yeah. ready to go when they go out. I get that. But I, at the point, like personally, yeah. where I am comfortable with that and I feel like I'm still living my covenants yeah. and yeah, I might spend you know, six or seven hours without them on because yeah. I'm sweaty and gross yeah. and I'm still in my gym clothes. But. Yeah. No, I, you know, and, and I get that. I, mm -hmm. I guess, I guess, I guess where I'm seeking understanding is, you know, just from the, the individuals that I've seen where it's not just like a few hours cause they're mm -hmm. in their gym clothes. It right. is every single day, no matter what outfit mm -hmm. you pick, you yeah. know, that's, that's the one where I'm like, I'm, I'm just trying to understand people. Can you just help me understand? Well, and there so were, that I can then <laughs> have an understanding. There were also a lot of interesting comments in the comment section and in this lady's mm -hmm. original Reddit post about how we're teaching modesty yeah. to our girls. Her, yeah. her rationale was we should be teaching this to our girls. Why are young women allowed to wear shorts? Why are oh, young yeah. women she allowed to She was talking about, oh, these girls show up at activities, their butts hanging right. out of their shorts, et cetera. She was pretty pretty hardcore on that. And I, as a mom of three daughters, have really, really shifted, tried to shift the way I teach them modesty versus mm -hmm. what I was taught. Exactly. I was very much taught hemlines, inches, yeah. fingertips, exactly. sleeves. Exactly. <laughs> I was very much taught modesty in that spirit. And so yeah. with my girls, I very purposefully tried to teach them what is appropriate to wear when. Yeah. And so they can wear, I'll let them wear their short shorts and their tank mm -hmm. tops. And mm -hmm. I, that's just a battle I'm not going to fight. Yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. If it's in the appropriate setting. And I also, with my girls, I am letting them wear pants to church. Oh, that's if, right. You told me if that. If they're dressy, they, yeah. have, they have jumpsuits. Yeah. A couple of my girls do. Not all of them want to. But I have two girls that really, really love a nice dressy jumpsuit. And I let them wear them to church and I'm teaching them that, you know, I use it as a teaching tool. Like, sure, you can wear this to church. This is dressy. Yeah. It's church appropriate. Yeah. But you see this other jumpsuit you have right here that's like, you know, short yeah. and made out of like cotton like and knit. What you'd wear to the beach. Right. This is not an appropriate yeah. church jumpsuit. So I'm trying to make it more about appropriate for the setting and exactly. less about, exactly. you know, what is it? What? Is it shorts? Is it a dress? Is it pants? Is it, you know, yeah. this long, yeah. this short, and more just about the appropriateness for the setting. Exactly. So. Well, and I totally agree with that. I, I didn't, I didn't like a lot of her Reddit posts when she got to the modesty stuff with the young mm -hmm. women, because I look at that differently. You know, I look at it the way you do, which is, you know, let's talk about the activity that we're engaging in and what is appropriate clothing for that activity. Right. You know, again, putting all, you know, oh, the boys will have thoughts and all of that stuff on the shelf. That's the boys problem. Anyway, but what is the what is the appropriate attire for that activity? The other thing, too, is I think, you know, 
when you go to the temple, you are voluntarily taking that to a higher level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, any, any LDS woman who, you know, you know, girls who haven't been to the temple, I would not expect to hold them to that, that temple standard because they haven't made that covenant. They get to go when they want to and voluntarily choose to enter into that covenant. Right. And so I think that that's, I think that that's a lot different. And and I didn't like how she lumped the two of them together because I think they're very separate issues. Well, and I think it's so personal. I think that's a family decision because I do know moms that teach it like, that teach modesty, like, well, let's wear, let's prepare you for the temple yeah. by, you know, our family standard yeah. is if you can't that's wear very it, true. if you can't wear it to the temple, you can't wear it. And that's totally fine too. I think. See, and that was our mom and you never got to experience that <laughs> because you were too young when she died. That was your life as a teenager. But that was my life as a teenager. <laughs> it really was. I could not wear shorts. And the reason I could not wear shorts is because I was told you will never be able to wear shorts once you have garments. So you're not wearing shorts now. Didn't they have knee length shorts in the 80s? It didn't matter. They were shorts. <laughs> and in fact, I had shorts and I would sneak them out in my backpack and I'd put them on and she caught me a couple of times and oh, it was, that's brutal. It was so brutal, <laughs> you know? And, and again, that may very well contribute to why I was like not wanting to jump on the bandwagon of wear gar- wearing garments. <laughs> you, had, you already had a negative association. I already had a negative association because of how modesty was You're taught like, to me. I'll never wear shorts again. Exactly. After I go to the temple, my shorts are gone. I mean, I'm sure our mother, she's probably rolling over in her grave, you know, at three quarters of the stuff I wear these days because I wear a lot of skirts that go above my knee, but they cover my garments. But in my mother's world, that probably never would have been appropriate. Okay. Sorry, I digress. It is super interesting. And yeah, I mean, I think there's just a lot of layers to it. And I think every family's going to teach it different. And that is their, you know, if a, a family wants to teach it, that their kids do only wear what they can wear to the temple and that works for their family. Great. Great. If it doesn't, you know, also, okay. Yeah. We just, we gotta like, I don't know. We just got to give each other some, some slack and some we grace. Do. Like, and I do think it should be a family and exactly not a young, not coming from a young woman's leader. I mean, a young woman's leader can teach modesty in, you know, let's dress appropriately. Yeah. But, no more young women's talking about length of shorts or sleeves. Or <laughs> exactly. I think those days should be gone. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we've delved into some really heavy topics. Yeah. Let's, let's get a little lighter in our news here <laughs> after, you know, go digging deep on racism and modesty oh, and yeah. garments. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to move on to a fun one. You know, I love myself some reality television. We talk about that all the time on here. You have probably never seen this show, College Bowl. Have you ever seen this TV show, College Bowl? No, I never even heard of it. I caught it last year. It's on Friday nights. It's on obscure. It's on NBC, but it's on at obscure Mm -hmm. times. And I don't even know if it was on Friday night last year. It's on Friday nights this year. I caught two or three episodes of it, and I really liked it. So this year, BYU was invited to be on it. It's hosted by Peyton Manning. And so they selected three students from BYU to be on it. Okay. And they filmed it in June. And the they, you know, because they, they film and then, you know, it doesn't air until later on. And they all have non-disclosures that they can't talk about it or anything like that. And so they selected these three individuals. 
and it is two boys and a girl and they each had their specialty like one specialized in literature and another specialized in chemistry and they're science all type stuff quiz, quiz bowl junkies they're, they're quiz bowl junkies and once they got selected to prepare for the competition they would get together on zoom and practice well they made their debut not last Friday, but the Friday before. And they were against, I believe, the University of Washington. Now, they technically lost to the University of Washington, but what happened is there was another round ahead of them between two schools, Florida State and Georgia, I believe. Yeah, University of Georgia and Florida State. Well, University of Georgia won but and Florida State lost, but BYU had more points than Florida State, so BYU got to advance to the quarterfinals. So they are now headed to the quarterfinals. Oh. They're still doing qualifying rounds to see who all is going to go to the quarterfinals, but they are headed to the quarterfinals, and if they were to pull this off and win the whole thing, million dollars in scholarship money Ooh. to the to these students to, right to them right to them okay like the, if they had lost in the first round so they would have walked away with five grand in scholarship Ooh. money so they get more money nice. every round they progress okay so when is this next round the if people would like to tune you in. You know what? I looked and they still have the qualifying rounds, so they haven't set when the quarterfinal rounds will be. But what was really funny is when they introduced the BYU students, they had Cosmo there. They didn't know that Cosmo was going to be there and mm -hmm. he came out doing flips. And then famous football player Steve Young appeared. Oh, he did? He did. He appeared on the big screen and he sent them a message and uh, <laughs> said, we've got lots of national championships, but we don't have a college bowl trophy, so bring it home. And then he disses Peyton. So he says, I'm just going to give you this tip. The guy running this show, he seems like a howdy doody, yee-haw, aw shucks guy. I've played against him. The guy's an assassin. Go Cougs! <laughs> so I thought that that was kind of cute. That's cute. So it's on NBC on Friday nights. So um, yeah, just keep watching the schedule if you only want to watch BYU or you can watch the other colleges because it's fascinating. I really enjoyed watching it. Nice. Okay, this next article, this was a Deseret News article all about Patty Edwards, the wife of the late Lavelle Edwards. This article... I'm not going to lie. I teared up. It was so <gasps> oh, sweet. It was sweet. <laughs> so Lavelle Edwards passed away, I think, six years ago. Yeah, 2016. So she's a widow. And Lavelle Edwards, for those who aren't familiar, was the football coach at BYU. You're for living under a rock if you don't know who Lavelle so Edwards many years, was. Years and years and years. I should know the number. I don't know. A few he decades. He was like 20 years. He was couple the football decades. coach. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, forever. The stadium is named after him. He's the one that like... He just like turned them around through the nineties mm -hmm. and really like sh shaped them up into exactly. A team. He had no. He coached for thirty years and twenty nine of those thirty years he had winning seasons. That is crazy. And prior to him coming, they had only had thirteen winning seasons. Right. So, so everybody loves Lavelle. Well, now I'm convinced everybody loves Patty. She. <laughs> I really didn't know much about her until I read this article. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh! I just fell in love with her just from reading this article she's so sweet um, well first of all she's 90 years old yes she's and 90 years old she's she broke her back oh so lavelle that part was so lavelle, sad. here's 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 how lavelle kind of met his maker so to speak he had tripped and fallen and he broke his hip and patty was trying to get him up and she broke her back and they lied on the floor together that night until she was able to get to her, her phone the next morning and his injury was not recoverable right and so 
and her, he died like four days later. Four days later. Her broken back, they couldn't operate on due to her age. So she still has a lot of back pain. But it talked about just recently she was in New York City and she walked 20 miles I know. in and, two days. And, and she I'm still like, lives on her own. Yeah. She still drives her car. It sounds like she's sharp as a tack. Let's call her Queen Elizabeth. So, I know. So anyways, she still lives in Provo up in the foothills yes. where they've lived for you years, know, decades. And this was interesting. It said she still has a box a box seat at the stadium and she has 12 seats in the box and she just invites different family and friends to come sit with her. They have a very big family, lots of kids, lots of friends. We got to figure out how to go suck up to BYU to to get BYU tickets. I know it's good to be her friend. Apparently so. Um, Anyway, she just talked about her marriage to him and all the time they had together and what it's like to be a football coach's wife and she, in their time together, had started like an association for football coaches, wives across the country. And she just like developed these yeah. great friendships with them. Well, and-, and one of the reasons she did that is when they got married, he still had his senior year to play football at Utah State. And she sat in the stands alone. There were only like two other wives of married football players there. And she said, I remembered that alone feeling. And so I wanted to right. befriend these these women who were the wives of football players and the women who were the coaches uh-huh. are the wives of the coaches of football players, because I know what that's like. Right. Oh, and it was so cute. She said also in the article that when they got married, they were, he, he was at Utah state. Yeah. They got set up on a blind date and it wasn't until their honeymoon, they were in the car on the way to their honeymoon so that funny. she confessed to him that she had never seen him play football before and she because she, she didn't like football. <laughs> And she said she started crying because she felt so bad. Well, and then she went to his games after they got married. And but. she thought football would be a passing fancy mm-hmm. and he'd go to work on her father's oil wells in Wyoming. <laughs> she was wrong. Didn't quite work out that way. She was destined for a life of football. Anyway, and it talked about how like through the years she would like clip out the articles in the newspaper about all of his players and present them to them at the end of the season. And she was always just like sharing her time with him, with yeah, the media and the football players and everything. It even said that when he was in the hospital and he was dying, one of his former players- Jim McMahon called him up. Called him up. And Jim's like, Patty, can you tell him I love him? Patty's like, here, I'll give him the phone. And she hands the phone. She hands the phone to him. To him. <laughs> Jim's just, like, I love you, coach. She just sounds so nice. Yeah. Anyway, it was just a really good write-up. I want to move in her ward to be her ministering oh, sister. Would she too. be fun to minister to? I think she would. I think she'd be way fun I to bet minister she to. She's the most popular lady in that ward. I'm sure she is. So, anyway, it was a really cute write up. Highly recommend. Okay. Well, it's not a sister's podcast unless we talk about food. Oh, yeah. We might have an obsession with reality <laughs> TV and food. We yes. freely admit this. Yes. So, and fountain drinks. And fountain drinks. <laughs> There was a story in the Atlantic that has a tie to members of to the church. So the story in the Atlantic that's titled "Foreign Candy Puts American Candy to Shame," and I don't know if you've noticed over the last few years there has been a real rise in the accessibility of foreign candy. Whether it is a candy store that specializes it, or you go into Pier One Imports, or any of those kind of fancy stores like that, that you can find this foreign candy, especially as you get into larger cities. And so, you know, for years in America, it's Hershey and Mars who are dominating the, the, the market here in America. The other thing that I've noticed over the last few years is there's a definite 
thing among influencers where they take candy and they try candy. And in fact, the influencer that we used as our favorite thing, Betsy's Best Bets. Oh, yes. She is always doing candy tries. Those are my favorite videos. I know. They're usually, some of them are foreign candy tries, but most of them are, like if a friend goes overseas, you know, she, mm -hmm. her friends know when they bring her back candy and she, she tests it out on Instagram, but mostly she's doing like, all the American candy companies are doing like really bizarre, Weird like flavors, special. Like the blueberry Kit Kat. The blueberry Kit Kat, exactly. I did try that. And what was it? Was it a candy corn licorice that oh, she yes. tried this week? Anyway, so there is an interesting way that, you know, kind of this growth of foreign candy took place. So you are probably familiar with the candy known as the high chews. Love high chews. I brought a little visual tonight. Yes. Love high chews as well. So high chews are a Japanese made candy. And so in 2010, high chews were like, we really want to break into the American market. How can we break into the American market? So they started looking at their sales demographics. And in all of those co cities along the West Coast, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, where there were a lot, where there was a large Asian population, they had really good sales. But then they looked and they're like, Salt Lake City? Why are we selling so many high chews in Salt Lake City? There's just white people there. They could not figure <laughs> out why they were they were doing a booming business mm -hmm. in Salt Lake City. Well, they did some investigation and come to find out what was happening is, you know, we like to send missionaries to Japan. Mm -hmm. And what happens when we send missionaries to Japan is they eat the candy in Japan. And then they come back to America and they're like, gee, that high chew is really good. How can I get that? So they were raiding anywhere they could find in Salt Lake City to to get these get these high chews. And so they realized at that point in time, we can convince Americans to like our, our candy if we just let them taste it, which is really true because I remember the first time I tasted a high chew, I was like, where has this been all my life? It's uh, delicious. Do you know who introduced me to high chews? Did I introduce no, you? No, my friend in Portland whose oh. husband went on a mission to Japan. Oh. That is, I never would have. Well, and that's exactly. I never would have tried them. They what, had them at Costco yeah. and they were so excited. Yeah. They were like, oh, we yeah. had this in Japan. You got to yeah. try these. Well, and <laughs> so. they were saying that's exactly what the missionaries mm -hmm. were doing. It's not only were they consuming them themselves, they were doling them out to all their friends and family. You got to try this. Yeah. Anyway, so since then, I choose have been able to take off. They realized, okay, we've, we've got to get some more visibility. And they realized baseball players like to chew on things and it's usually gum. Let's give them high chews. So they started in major metropolitan areas, giving the high chews to baseball players to chew on. And so then the cameras are focusing on the high chews and what the baseball players are chewing on. Then the fans are going, well, I don't want that. Anyway, and so it's a whole interesting article. You know, it wasn't just high chews, it's other candy companies and how they have been able to kind of infiltrate a very insulated candy market here mm -hmm. in America uh, with all sorts of popular foreign candy. Mm. And then I will give a quick shout out to oh. uh, <laughs> the Cookie Wars. The Cookie Wars. We have to revisit the Cookie Wars. We have to revisit the Cookie Wars. You may recall there is a cookie franchise in Utah called Dirty Dough. And they got sued by, was it Crumble, it I believe, Crumble. that yes. sued them. And so they released a new video essentially mocking Crumble's lawsuit. And 
I have to tell you, they have some really good PR people. It was good. I watched the video. It it's was funny. Hilarious. You also, you also go watch it. So they are represented by EKR, which is a Utah-based holistic marketing service. It's a small company. And they, the agency, the advertising agency said, you know, our goal has been to control the narrative and own the term cookie wars. And they saw an opportunity with that lawsuit. And so they knew that they could just kind of do something a little crazy. So what's resulted is by suing Dirty Dough, they've given Dirty Dough all sorts of free publicity oh, yeah. and the brilliant marketing team has just run with it. So like I said, there's a new video. It's, it's funny it's to watch. It's funny. I just think it's so brilliant how they spun it. Okay. Spun it, spun it, spun it. Okay. Next article. This is a Jenna Reese flunking sainthood. Because again, we cannot have a podcast without Jenna Reese. <laughs> you know I love her. This is on her her uh, flunking sainthood account. She interviewed the authors of a podcast called At Last She Said It. This is a podcast that I just stumbled upon like a couple weeks ago. I know. And you told me about it. And, and I, I haven't you, and listened to it And I was like, you yet. have to listen to this yes, podcast. I haven't done it yet. I love this podcast. It is all about helping Mormon women find their voices. It is run by two active LDS women. Okay. Susan Hinckley and Cynthia Winward. I believe they live in Utah. They're active LDS, um, but they are very, very pro-women feminism. So this podcast may not be for everyone. I will like disclaimer. I love it, but it, it might be extreme for some people. Okay. But they're active LDS. They're not like trying to take down the church. They're trying to live their lives yeah. actively stay in the church, but also to just kind of empower women to maybe speak up with things that they're not comfortable yeah. with. Or if something needs to change or they think something is funny. Like they're just very encouraging of like um, just women being able to speak up and not being stifled. And, you know, they just said that it's staggering that the one quote said um, by Susan Hinckley, she said, it's been staggering and sad how many women felt no power in their own spiritual lives. And they didn't realize that until they started this podcast and they're getting so they're many getting people feedback. right into them and talk to them. So anyway, they have lots of interesting topics. Because I think they have, aren't they up to like a hundred episodes? Yep, they're up to hundred so, episodes. So, you know, if you think this is something you're interested in, you could go scroll through their episode yeah. list and you can pick, pick something that's intriguing they can to choose you. choose what interests you. I really love them. I have to listen to them in small doses because when I first found them, I was like, I love them so much. And I listened to like... Five, five episodes over a course of like uh -huh. a few days. And I was getting like really like angsty. <laughs> angsty. So I'm like, okay, I think one a week is good. Okay. <laughs> well, I, but I love them. They're, they just have really thoughtful discussions around women's issues in the church. Okay. Everything from polygamy to temple ceilings to, you know, just teaching young women, mm -hmm. just all, every slew of women's issues that you can think of in the church. They just are having really thoughtful discussions about that okay. we, for many, many years, have been uncomfortable talking about. Exactly. They're just kind of like, look, we're going to talk about it. So I appreciate it. I am going to have to go try them out. I got yeah. a road trip coming up, so maybe I'll download one or two for a road trip and try them out. Yeah, you okay. should. I really like them. 
All right, shall I move on to Mormons behaving badly? Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> who do we have now? I, I'm not going to go into detail about mm -hmm. this because it just, I mean, it's happening all the time. There was a 77-year-old Orem man who was previously a bishop in the 1970s who was recently arrested uh, for child abuse allegations. These allegations are alleged to have occurred after he was a bishop, so not during his time as a bishop. But, of course, the headline was Mormon bishop arrested for sex abuse. Yikes. Well, it's a little misleading. So, but one thing I do want to touch on just really quickly in Mormons behaving badly, we have talked a number of times about vandalisms and arsons and things like that that are going on in church buildings. There were three buildings down in Utah that were vandalized, and um, the gentleman who did it was ordered to pay $1.3 million in restitution. He was sentenced to a term of 1 to 15 years. He was given credit for the 320 days he spent in jail. He pled guilty but mentally ill. Uh, in his two counts of arson and a second-degree felony. So I guess he was lighting these buildings on fire. I thought his was vandalism. But then there was another interesting article in the Deseret News because I pontificated, not last month, but the month before, I said, I swear we are hearing about more vandalisms and arsons of church buildings than we used to. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, the statistics bear that out. Oh, so it is more. It is more. Right. Because I remember it's just like, are we just, is no. it because we're doing this podcast and no. so we're always, they it, always fall on our It month? is more. <laughs> so. Hate crimes, especially against religion, according oh. to the FBI, are on the, are on the increase. And mm -hmm. I think we've definitely seen that in our buildings. And the church, of course, has said, you know, it's unfortunate there's been a worldwide increase in violence, vandalism, and desecration of religious sites, buildings, including shootings, arson, graffiti, dam and damage to facilities, and more. You know, they want these mm -hmm. buildings to be a place where the spirit can be felt and people can worship together, but that's mm -hmm. not always possible due to the actions of others. Yikes. So... All right. Should we end with our favorite things? Sure. Okay. okay. Favorite, you go first. Favorite things, just because we like to share good things. <laughs> Not because we're being paid or anything <laughs> like that. We don't get any kickbacks. We're just telling you what we like. Okay. My favorite thing this month, besides the At Last She Said It podcast, okay, is a show on, I believe it's on Hulu. It's called Welcome to Wrexham. And I believe Al... Or Jeff, somebody recently mentioned this. Okay. In passing. I don't know who it was. This is a docuseries, and it is about Ryan Reynolds, famous actor, Ryan Reynolds. Okay. I'm going to put this on my phone right now, and even as we're talking. this other actor called Rob Mullaney, which I didn't know, but my husband know. Okay. Knew for I've much, never heard a of A TV him. show. But Ryan Reynolds, everybody knows. They bought this football club in Wales. Now, football, as you know, over there is actually soccer. Yeah. It's called football. So they bought this club called Wrexham AFC. Okay. Um, in the town of Wrexham. And they bought it and are chronicling, like doing a documentary of them owning it at the same time. So this was like kind of a fledgling like yeah. club. They're not doing great. They're in the lowest league. They want to move up to a higher league. They want to fix up the stadium. And so these two American Hollywood actors bought it and the townspeople are excited and they're trying to turn this team around. They fired a bunch of players. They fired the coach. They brought in a new coach. 
They're fixing up the so stadium. So this is like real life. Like this he, is real life. Brian Reynolds yes. literally bought so a they, soccer team. They bought this team, and then when they bought it, they, the idea was we will make a documentary about oh. us buying this team and turning it around and turning it around oh this is fascinating and it is so interesting i thought even, this was like him acting no in something. no even if you're not like a soccer football fan you don't have to be a sports fan they talk a lot about the oh. town that it's set in it is hilarious because oh. ryan reynolds and this rob guy they're really funny they're very like self-deprecating and this okay. whole time they keep like being like did we make a bad choice? Because like, <laughs> they're just sinking like millions and millions exactly. of dollars into this team. Exactly. And so we're like midway through right now and we're waiting to see like what's gonna happen with this Ooh. team. Are they gonna are they gonna make it? Are they gonna Interesting. like be able to move up in their league? Interesting. So it's really good and so well done. The storytelling on it is just okay. so well done. Okay. I will warn you, there are F bombs. Okay. As I just got done saying, I don't want people waving F bombs <laughs> on their flags. I know, around but I town. assume that you're not watching. But this I don't watch with this with my children. <laughs> exactly. That's just my disclaimer because I know people like to know that information okay. uh, before they watch something, so okay. they can they can make an educated choice. Okay. All right. What's All your right. favorite so, thing? Well, my favorite thing again, it is the visual I used just a minute ago. It is the high chews. But it is the sweet and the sour pack. And oh. let me tell you what they have in the sweet and sour pack. They've got watermelon, lemon, and my very most favorite, grapefruit. Ooh. Let me tell you, I absolutely love the grapefruit. I didn't even realize they had this sweet and sour pack. And it was the last time we did a fifth Sunday. They were passing around candy to keep the adults awake on fifth <laughs> Sunday. And one of the things they passed around were the, these high chews. And I had a watermelon high chew. And I'm like, what in God's name is that? It is so good. <laughs> and um, so high choose good for baseball players and fifth and fifth Sundays. Fifth Sunday <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I highly recommend the sweet and sour pack. <laughs> All right, very nice. <laughs> okay, well, I think that about wraps it up for us tonight, Twim Nation. Thank you very much for joining us, and as always. If you want to complain about us, just send an email to Jeff <laughs> at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. It's really, really a sweet setup we have. Exactly. <laughs> we don't have to deal with your negativity. We have a filter for that. We have a broker for our negativity. <laughs> or you can, uh, if you really want to engage, apparently there's a hot topic on the Facebook page right now. So hop on the Facebook page or you can find us on Twitter or you can find us on Instagram. And if you want to be a Patreon supporter and help us keep the lights on, three bucks a month, folks. So thank you very much and have a good night. Thanks for listening.